Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the first team. I am Joe DeLeon. Joining me as always is Ryan Roberts, my co-host and good friend. Today we're going to be talking about the day one top performers at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. We're going to be breaking down a good chunk of guys that we thought were risers throughout this week. A very talented crop of players that showed up so far. Probably one of the more talented Senior Bowl classes that we're going to get the chance to evaluate this week. All that coming up and more. Ryan, I want to start us off, though. Let's start us off with defensive linemen because the defensive linemen had themselves a day. And this seems to be a little bit of a trend when we look at uh, the grand scheme of things with the senior bowl to the defensive linemen. There's always like a nice crop of guys that dominate during these one-on-one reps, that dominate during the team drills. There's two guys with the same last name that uh-huh. had themselves a day today. Michael sure. Hall Jr. from Ohio State and yep. Gabe Hall from Baylor. Michael Hall Jr., we knew coming into this week. That was a guy that we highlighted. We said, this guy's quick. He's low to the ground. He had that really nice spin move rep that you posted and beat me to it, so I decided not to (laughs) double post it. Um, But Gabe Hall, though, was not one of those guys. He was not one of the guys that we even really mentioned coming into the week. I don't think anybody even talked about him coming into the week. And if I'm being completely honest, when we do this stuff, it's the perfect opportunity to – discover guys that maybe we didn't have on our radar to be risers throughout this process. And Gabe Hall is someone who I didn't even think I was going to watch, who now I'm going to spend the time after this week to go over. So so funny backstory on Gabe Hall, actually, Joe, because I, I was looking up the measurements just to make sure that I had the measurements in front of me. And I know he was right around 6'6", 290, and I think he had like 34, yeah, 34 and 3 eighth inch arms. So like he is wow. a long dude, obviously. He kind of lo- He kind of looks that... True, true profile. You usually think of like a Pittsburgh Steeler defensive lineman, you know, the long three, four defensive ends, the guy that can play five, can play four, four I, three at times, like kind of move, move up and down the line of scrimmage a little bit. But I remember it was actually two seasons ago. So not this past season, the season before Keegan Renault, who obviously we know from RPM data, he actually recommended him he put him on the on the cross check list Gabe Hall and I crossed him at that point and I put a draftable grade on him based upon his 2022 film so mm-hmm. he was out to you know to agents for recommendations 2023 though just wasn't very good I mean it, it was just kind of a down year for Gabe Hall at Baylor I mean he had a much better 2021 2022 season than he did in 2023 but you saw today why he was recommendable early on in this process it's because he is long and he's pretty twitched up and he's quick, man. And like he's he's got a really interesting profile. I mean, he hit the same arm, arm over move on a couple guys, like a little bit of a swim type of thing for multiple reps. And then there was one move where I think I forget what the offensive lineman was that he was playing against, but it looked like uh-huh. he was setting up the arm under. And then he hit like a, cl- a club rip real quick and went underneath of him and showed a little bit of bend in his hips as well. I mean, the kid was. I think you post. Didn't you post on Twitter like, like he was well, beating so the, you, the, the, the s out of people, right? Like, right. You. So that was what I was going to bring up. Is that I tweeted out. I think that the only way to describe the way that he played was that he beat the shit out of everyone. That's what it felt like. He literally was out there beating the shit out of guys the way that he was playing. He was physical 
It felt like he was in a fight every single rep, which is what you want from a defensive lineman. And it translated into the team drills too. Bet online remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL are all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for fifty percent off your first deposit. That is a fifty percent welcome bonus. Bet Online, where the game starts. I mean, I think that was the best part, Joe, was that we're not just talking about a guy that is physically impressive. Like we, I mean, again, six, six right around six foot six, two hundred ninety pounds, long arms. He's probably going to test exceptionally well. It was at the compete level was at an all-time high today. I, that was one of the things. I'm not going to sit back and say 2023 was like Gabe Hall went through the motions and didn't give a lot of effort, but it looked like he was like ultra reactive today, right? Like he was really excited yeah. to be there. He brought the energy. He brought a little bit of that violence to the table. It was really exciting to see, man, because I, I think if you – he's going to be a little bit of a – I don't want to say boomer bust because he's probably just going to be drafted on day three. So it's not like we're talking about a guy that's going to be drafted top 50 and either he's going to be a, a pro bowler or he's going to be just a, a, a reserve at best. I mean, we're talking about a kid that's going to be a day three gamble by a team because he's not refined. He's not ready to play a large volume of snaps. What he is, though, is an incredibly twitched up interior pass rusher with length that if developed properly – Maybe he could be a guy down the road. I feel like this is almost a stash and, and pray that he's mm. able to develop. And if he is, then you might be able to strike gold here. A couple other guys quickly that wanted to give notice to who I thought shined a little bit. Uh, Dwayne Carter from Duke, I thought was oh, very he's physical powerful, up front. man. Yeah. Super powerful. He well, who I forget who the center was, but there was a rep early the Florida on center, I think. Oh, the yeah. Florida um, kid. Ebukam, or I don't even know how to pronounce yeah. his name, but yes. Manhandled yeah, his ass. Dude, he is I, – I literally have talked about Dwayne Carter since last season because that was the thing I loved about him, Joe, was that mm. I, he's a he's a versatile player in the sense that Duke usually literally used him everything from a one all the way up to a five-tech at times. Like literally against Notre Dame, they were like, Notre Dame, we're not going to let you run on us all day, so we're going to put you at, put Dwayne Carter at defensive end so they can just get like four monsters on the field on the defensive line, which was very smart on, on Duke's part. But – he has that type of versatility to him to be able to be alignment versatile. Like I think he could play in even fronts. I think he could play in odd fronts. But you saw today the best part of Dwayne Carter. That dude is stupid strong, man. Like he has some incredible power, and he's really able to when he gets rolling, he can he can force the pocket against any interior rusher in this draft. He has mm. that type of power at least, which is why I think that he's going to have a sticking point at the next level. Like at worst. He's going to be a key reserve inside because he has that natural power that it you just can't find a lot of times. Last two defensive linemen that, that kind of popped for me uh, before I kind of let you throw any more that I might have missed. Uh, yep. Keith Randolph, guy that we've really liked throughout this process, yeah, showed yep. off the length. I thought that he had a couple nice team drill reps. And then Braden Fisk is not a player from Florida State, is not really a player who is going to like shine at the combine. Like This is not like a super... Yep twitchy athlete or crazy or anything but man his motor he he was going 100 miles an hour every one-on-one -on -one rep he was yep. going 100 miles an hour every team drill rep and it's not like he was dominating in those drills and like was getting so many clean disengages like Gabe Hall did 
Yep. Uh, he just showed up. And I thought I thought that Fisk kind of reminded us that this is a tough kid who somewhere on day three, you draft him and can be just a nice yep. depth rotational piece for your defensive line. Yeah, he so he's had experience at Western Michigan playing a defensive end at times. He's obviously played inside. When he when he transferred to Florida mm-hmm. State, he was exclusively an inside player, which is, you know, I think his home obviously on the next level. I love the mention of Keith Randolph, though, because Joe, I, I keep I keep maintaining this, man. I really think Illinois did him a disservice with what, how they used it, utilized him. They asked him to yeah, basically just weird. be a two-gapper, man. Like they were just like, hold the point of attack. Don't move. And I'm just like, that kid's a good athlete. I mean, even when they got to team drills, he had at least one where I think he nearly batted the pass. He had some easy penetration. That kid's a really gifted mover, in my opinion, on the interior. So I'm glad that you let the shackles off a little bit today and be able to show that. I I would say this is that he didn't win every single rep, kind of transitioning to another player. But I actually kind of liked a lot of what I saw from Layatu Latu today. Like It it was exactly what I, I thought from him as far as... I don't think he's the most physically gifted edge of all time. Like he's not incredibly long, he's not incredibly twitched up, but he's really slippery, right? And like he had a he had a couple early losses to Talise Fuaga, obviously of Oregon State, but I thought he came back in like team drills, especially, and he battled, man, and he got Fuaga once or twice, and I think he really came back with a vengeance because defensive ends this week, not the easiest job in the world because there's a lot of good offensive tackles in mm. Mobile this week, a lot of good ones. So I think the interior defensive lineman shined a little bit more than the edge position, in my opinion, because I think the offensive tackles that they're going against are really good. But I saw a lot of good things out of Layatu Latu. I thought he showed some good stuff. I would also throw a, a, a quick mention to Eric Watts out of UConn. Not a lot of clean oh, wins. Oh, the guy you love. But, dude, he's super long, Joe. He's incredibly raw, yeah. but he's powerful and long. And the reps that I would even say are losses technically for him, at least he showed bull rush potential. He At least he showed creating speed, the power. Like He showed some tools to work with. He is not a year one player in the NFL. This is a back end of the roster, help with special teams, year two, year three. Hopefully you take a nice step. He did not take the step that I wanted to from UConn from 2022 to 2023 because I thought he was pretty good in 2022. 2023, he just didn't take that jump. But he's another player that if you can get him on the back end of a roster, maybe even a practice squad, and let him work with a defensive line coach and develop in the first couple years of his career, I think you could strike gold long-term, man, because he's got a lot of tools to work with, a whole lot. Yeah. You you brought up how the edge class, there weren't really a lot of guys that did much. And I think that the Senior Bowl, as we always say, is a really good uh, barometer of reassurance for helping us really know where the strengths in the class lie, just generally from a broad overview. It's always the go-to question that people ask when you do uh, yep. media hits and like, where, what are the strengths of the class? We're, you know, very quickly reminded that the tackle class is great and that the interior defensive line group is actually, I would argue, better than the edge group in this just overall. Yep. I think there's a lot more depth where we're reminded of these players that haven't been brought up that we talked about in the preseason. We talked about throughout the season um, like Gabe Hall, like Keith Randolph, Randolph like Dwayne Carter that shined uh, in the interior. But on that note with Leigh Tulatu, Thought he looked really nice. It's tough that he had to go up against Fuaga as much as he did. He looked nice against uh, Kingsley Suomatea the few times that he had it. That does lead us into talking about the offensive lineman that had a good day today. I mean, Fuaga, we knew. Fuaga, we knew coming in was going to be good. We didn't, you know, we don't need to predict anything. We know that the guy is just strong as shit, big as shit, wide as hell, going to man you up. And then I want to add in there two more obvious ones, or two more obvious ones before I get your thoughts on this. 
Christian Haynes yep. was going to be a guy that we knew coming Very in good. was going to have a really nice uh, anchor, really nice base, yep. played really strong and stout. Did not snap well, did not look great at center, uh, which is a little disappointing for my take that I think he's going to be a really good center in the NFL. Uh, and then the last one is is Jackson Powers Johnson's just such a yep. steady football player from Oregon that's not going to really have many bad reps this week. Jackson Powers Johnson was one of the guys on my list. I had Fuaga as well. I mean, we, we've we've talked to nauseam on this podcast about Talise Fuaga at this point. Like, he's going to go top ten to fifteen, I think, in this class. Like, I just I, yeah. I would be shocked if he drops out of the top fifteen. Top ten, like if he fell a couple spots out of top ten as a true right tackle, I wouldn't be shocked. But top fifteen, I would be a little bit surprised at that point, or very surprised, I should say. Jackson Powers Johnson came out in a big way, Joe. Even the reps he lost early in one on ones. He showed recovery ability, which was it was really interesting because he came in heavier than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be like 320 pounds. Came in at 339 pounds, man. Like he's a he's a big old boy. <laughs> he's not small, mm-hmm. right? And despite that, because you think as a guy that keeps adding weight, might hurt his ability to redirect and recover. That's the couple things that come to mind pretty quickly. Despite that, he redirected well and was able to finish reps. He's got pretty good grip strength and he's got really strong hips just in general. When he's able to just kind of change direction and get up and get inside of off of defense linemen, they usually stop moving or they get onto the grounds. That's typically what happens. So I think Jackson Powers Johnson's a great one. I think Christian Haynes is a really good one as well. Christian Haynes we usually talk about easy evals in the first rounds, right? Or top 10, like Joe Walton easy eval. Christian Haynes is an easy eval, but he's not going to go into the second or third round, but he's an easy eval in the sense he's going to be a starting offensive lineman in the NFL for yeah. seven to nine years. Like he is just going to be good. Is he going to be a superstar? Probably not. But is he going to be a good starting offensive lineman in the NFL? I think so. I think Christian Haynes is a pretty safe player overall. And we were definitely uh, reminded of that one guy that you and I had a little bit of a back and forth on. I, I posted a clip yeah. of him. I, I really... So I watched Tyler Guyton at the beginning of this process, and I want to just double check where I have him currently ranked. And I, I, I liked him. You know, like I understood yeah. who he is as a prospect. He's six seven. Yeah. He's long as hell. Like he's got super long arms. Plus. He's not. Yep. He's not a really filled out kid. Like you can see the fact that he didn't really like. He was overshadowed by Anton Harrison, which was yep. a guy who went the first round this past year. There's gonna be a lot of comparisons to. Well, he didn't even start in really of, in 2022 right. because of they had Anton and they also had Wanye Morris. So, like, he didn't even yeah. start in 2022 for Oklahoma. Yep. Just to finish my point on on Guyton, I think that the way that he played played exactly into my expectations of him, which was yeah. he's really toolsy, he's really talented. His his wins and his reps are not going to be really super clean. There's going to be a lot of you know, limbs moving not where they're supposed to be sometimes. But because he's so tall and he's so long, he still found ways to win despite not being technically refined. Like, he's really behind. He's very behind compared to some of these other players. Right now, he's tackle seven for me. And I I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't end up being pick 30 or 32. I, it's certainly plausible to say that or very early in the second round. But we just got to be a little patient with a guy like this. And we were reminded of that during practices today. I would say this about Tyler Guyton. Here's my reality on Tyler Guyton and why I'm nervous about Tyler Guyton because I am nervous about him. I am totally okay with the team drafting him on day two in either round, second or third round. 
you take a dart throw at a guy that is not ready right now, in my opinion. He's not ready right now because, like you said, TCU transfer, two years at Oklahoma, but the first year barely played, was a backup, a key reserve. I think he started a game or two, you know, when injuries and the end of season, like that type of thing. But regardless, 2023 was his first full year as a starter. And even then, I'm pretty sure he missed a couple games. So, like, he doesn't have a ton of starting experience under his belt. But I think you hit on a couple key aspects, Joe. 6'7", 328 pounds with 34.6-inch arms. Body beautiful, man. Like, honestly, he has no bad weight on his frame. I was shocked that he was 328 pounds when I saw him. Because he's thin framed everywhere, man. Like he is not a big guy. Like he is. Yeah, he doesn't big. have big ass. He doesn't have thick arms or anything. He's very weird built. Very, very weird build. I, it it, it kind of worries me though to a degree t- for a little bit because I'm looking at him and I'm like 328 pounds already on the six seven frame. He isn't at all filled out. I'm a little worried that a team is going to try to add a ton of mass to him really quickly, and that will compromise athleticism because. That's the best thing that he has going for him right now. He's long as heck. I don't think he's incredibly bendy. Like, I don't think he has great bend in his hips, but his foot quickness is outstanding. Like, he moves incredibly well for an offensive tackle. I'm okay with taking a dart throw. Here's my issue with Tyler Guyton, though, is that I have a little bit of questions as far as development just on the next level physically. But the thing that worries me most, Joe, he's going to go in the first round. There's no doubt oh, in my mind oh, he's yeah, going in the first yeah. round. No yeah, doubt. Daniel Jeremiah just put him in his in his first round mock draft, and he's a guy who makes a lot of those estimations based on things that he's hearing. Yeah. The mock the mock drafts for Daniel Jeremiah are based upon his ears, right? What he's hearing around the league. And I that makes me worried because what's what's that mean, Joe, for a first round offensive tackle usually or first round player in general? Usually, typically, most of the time, they get thrown to the wolves early. Even if they're not ready, yeah. they're going to have to play. Even if they're not like ready. Like Andrew Thomas is the is the best example. He got and drafted he, really early, and he had to play right away, and he struggled. Yeah. He got and good, though. He is, he is the positive one because he got fed to the Wolves, struggled, but then he came out on the other side as a Pro Bowl offensive tackle. So he's the positive. But I do think there are some negative guys that you can also find. You know, guys that were thrown into the fire, and it was just like, too early, man. Like, just they just weren't ready. Like, it just was not a beneficial situation for them. I think Tyler Guyton has Pro Bowl upside. I mean, I would even put it that high. I think he has tremendous athleticism and, and ability. But I just am worried that we're going to overdraft him a little bit. And what I think is a really good offensive tackle class. Like, I don't think we have to overdraft him. I think we already have some guys up top that deserve to be maybe a little bit more in that mm. range. And then you take the second round dart throw on Tyler Guyton to be a starting offensive tackle for you. Regardless, though, he's incredibly talented and he's going to go early. I think we just, as a collective, need to come to terms with the fact that he's going in the first rounds. It's going to happen. I Day one was a really good first start. I still have concerns, not only the frame. I think it was cool seeing him be able to like drive like Javante Jean-Baptiste off the line. But I don't know if, I saw, if you agree with this, Joe, but there's a lot of effort being put forth. And I actually kind of question, I don't think that like he has great um, great upper body strength right now. I don't think he can really press and be able to be a formidable guy just with his p- pure power right now because he is a guy that is, he's lightly built. He's a guy that's still developing into his frame. I just think the power profile still needs to develop and the technical side needs to come to terms because he just hasn't played a ton of football yet. I was trying to figure out who the hell that Notre Dame defensive lineman was. The Javante whole Jean-Baptiste. I was, 
I was like, who is, who, who is this? I didn't. And then I'm now, now you're saying it now. I'm like, oh my God, how did I, 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 I forgot to tell you that one. I forgot to tell you that one. I actually kind of broke the news this morning because I got a heads up yesterday that Javante was, uh, was that a late ad? Yeah, it wasn't. It was. He was supposed to be at the um, okay. East West Shrine Bowl. He was That's to be okay. Shrine. That makes sense now delayed. because I was like, call. "How did I miss this? I thought that, that yeah. there was something that I missed." Okay, now that makes perfect sense yep. that that was a late ad. Uh, who told yep. someone on the ND staff or something? I can't tell you that, man. Come on, I can't. Uh, put okay. out. Sorry, universe. sorry. That was total, total no, no. Completely forgot. Yes. Talking about some of these skill position players on the offensive side of the football. To be perfectly, perfectly clear, everybody. The one-on-ones, we are not overreacting <laughs> to them because as we've said on this show, quick guys that run good routes are going to dominate these situations because the corners have no over-the-top help and it is a guessing game. They also aren't given coverage guidance. It's just one-on-one, cover this guy. That's the extent of it. Well, Joe, we have we have people that are glorifying wide receivers that are getting open at like seven seconds into reps because they're just big and stiff. But that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, I, I would like to remain positive on these. So I don't want to yes. talk about guys in the negative because I, I, sure. I think that sometimes we do that a little too much. I think a lot of people on Twitter do that too much. Yes. To talk about the positives, though, two yep. guys who I'm not going to overreact to that were fun to watch during these drills that sure. I figured were going to play well. Because we previewed it and said any quick receiver is going to have a good good week. Roman Wilson from Michigan, um, mm-hmm. Ricky Pearsall looked pretty clean. I, I mean, there were two two reps I showed to Ricky Pearsall, completely cooking dudes. Again, sometimes it's just not totally translatable, but I mean that amount of se- separation is is exciting to see for that guy. But the last one, who I think actually goes into the category of this guy is establishing himself as. Uh, into a nice category of where he deserves to be selected, which is early on day two, and that is Lad McConkey from Georgia. Yeah, if you pay man. close attention to his feet, his body control, he made that. There was a one play that I reshared where he just really quick cut, cuts to the outside, cuts to the sideline, and it was a bad throw, and he dives and extends to make the catch. Those are the types of plays that you should pay attention to and that are acknowledgments of this guy has the skills that outside of the one-on-ones will eventually show up in the team period and that he is going to be a good draft prospect. So I continue to pump the Lad McConkey hype train. He is a shifty, shifty dude, and he did exactly that today. And he's probably going to be – we're probably going to end up bringing him up in you know one-sentence acknowledgments the rest of this week. I I really like Lad a lot, man. We've talked about him before on this show, obviously. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the class. My comp for him is still Emmanuel Sanders. I think I've talked about that in the previous season. That's the guy that he reminds me so much of, man. He just gets up to top speed well, really precise route runner, good after the catch, surprisingly good after the catch. There's a lot of bad comps out there on Lad McConkey, but I really do like the Emmanuel Sanders one. And Joe, I mean, I, I draft him top 50. I, like, just straight up. I would draft Lad McConkey top yeah, I, I have 50. A top, I have a, a top 50 grade on him. He, he's I, a potential 1,000-yard receiver on the next level. Like, he's really I, good. I, you're, really good player. You're going to get mad at me for saying this. Oh, no. So, okay, my okay. current wide receiver rankings, I have uh, Xavier Leggett at 8, mm-hmm. and then I have Lad okay. McConkey at 9, which not not that crazy to say because there's so sure. many good receivers. I yep. actually – I'm not going to do it after today, but if Lad continues to play the way that he does – this week, I think I might bump Lad over Leggett because, like Leggett, I don't think Leggett caught a single ball in one on ones. By the way, and they I'm not saying bad. it's a negative. I'm just great. saying, <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird. I'm not knocking Leggett. I'm just saying that yeah. 
Ladd is is really establishing himself in a year where he didn't play much because of injury. I, I think he might deserve to, you know, to maybe get like a singular bump. He's one of those few guys. Yeah, nah, he he's just a really good player. I think you mentioned Roman Wilson as well. That was the other guy I had written down because Joe, I think Roman Wilson's going to go to the combine. He's going to run fast, man. Like I think he's going to be like four three something fast. Like he can move. Yeah. But the thing that impressed you most about Roman Wilson is he's such a precise route runner. Like he has attention yes. to detail as a football player. He doesn't just let it loose and just beat guys just because he's a better athlete than a lot of dudes. He has the attention to detail that you absolutely love and to be able to evaluate that. And so I look at him and I say four, three something athlete that also has attention to detail as a route runner, the ability to get open. That kid's going to create a lot of separation on the next level. In my opinion, uh, one tight end, I, by, by the way, I, I wrote a quarterback down, but I don't really want to elaborate on on him because I don't like, I would like to wait to talk about quarterbacks until the third yeah. day. Because I think it's not week, enough to go off of the, the the week is so predicated, and this is true of everyone, but especially quarterbacks. Day one overreactions happen. Day two, day three, kind of tell the real story yeah. of the week, what the progression and growth is. Can I guess the tight end that you have? Can I guess the tight ends? Uh, well, the quarterback was Michael Pratt. He had that one yes. really nice throw on the sideline, and that was purely the only reason why I wrote him down. Well, you know who the tight end is. I shared two two clips of him. Yeah. Wait, who? Who? I I don't look Theo at your Johnson. Twitter, man. You you're, said you were going to guess. You said you were going to guess. It well, was Theo you, Johnson. But, but you didn't lead me I'm right. That was not, that's not the right way to lead people right there. Uh, uh, it it was Theo Johnson. Theo yes, Johnson is the best athlete, and you, you brought it up to me that I should have more strongly considered him as tight end three, and I, I hadn't watched yeah, him yet. But during the season yeah. when I was scouting the Big Ten for RPM – I wrote his name down a million times, and I am regretting not having watched him sooner. I watched Cade Stover over him. I watched Cade well, Stover point, before I got. To, wait, wait. There's somebody stupid. Wait, wait. There's somebody stupider that I watched before him. Wait, wait. Let me look. <laughs> Someone's stupider. Like it's. An oh no! What, it was. It was Cade Stover. I don't think that it was. My point is, is though that we started to see a guy that is going to run a really good forty time. There were a couple of routes that he had where he just had these really quick cuts. His feet are great. I mean, the Gasecki comp is probably the easiest thing that we're going to be able to throw out there, right? Uh, yeah, there was one that I was thinking of. Can't re- I can't remember the the, per- the one I was thinking of. Like, I, I forget. I, it'll come to me at some point. But I, I would say this about Theo Johnson, Joe. He is probably the one pass catcher in this draft. I'm going to throw tight ends and wire receivers together that I looked at and I said he was about as underutilized as anybody in this class by their team. Because, yeah, he had 300 something yards. He had seven touchdowns. He didn't have bad production, but that kid should have been used a whole lot more, man. Like he's 6'6, 255 pounds, and he can run like the winds. Like he literally ran 451 electronic while at Penn State, and he's expected to potentially run in the 4'4s. Like that kid's a gifted athlete. And we saw that today. I mean, he's got pretty good hands. He actually has high effort as a blocker as well. I mean, I think that he has some leverage issues as a blocker, but he tries. He tries his butt off, man. But yeah. he is a big target who can run, who has good hands. I, I think the biggest cliche in the world that is often not true is, oh, he's going to be a better NFL player than college player. That, that rarely ever happens. So let's be honest with you. That rarely ever happens. But would I be surprised if Theo Johnson's more productive in the NFL than he, is in co- than he has been in college? No. I won't because I think he was super underutilized in college. Yeah, that's a great point. Any other skill players before we hit DBs slash linebackers oh, to wrap up? 
baby, I got to talk about Rasheen Ali out of out of Marshall. Got to oh. do it, man. Got to do yeah, it. Yeah, no. Well, him and, by the way, Laub uh, also, they both ran really good routes. How do you routes. pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? Law, is it the Labe is the one that was the other pronunciation? So, someone said Lobby on the on the thing, and I'm just like, I don't think that's how you – I thought I thought it was Lob, but I, I could be wrong. I, I honestly don't know. I'll have to look it up mm. and see. I, mm. You're the FCS guy. You should know what his name is, I guess, but – I mean, you know, there's I, not a lot of broadcasts where you can listen to it, but the both of them, answer, though, yeah. killed in space. But I, I do. Uh, Ali looked really, really nice. I wrote I wrote yeah, him down, man. but I didn't end up, end up bringing him up. He's got juice. He reminds me a little bit of Elijah Mitchell that came out of Louisiana Lafayette, who was pretty good with the 49ers early. And then I, I know, obviously, he got injured a little bit. And then eventually they get Christian McCaffrey and he kind of gets replaced. He got shipped to New York Jets. And then now he's back with the 49ers as a backup. But he just is a solid build, but not huge build. He is a guy, though, Joe. I need him to go with one of the Shanahan disciples or with Kyle Shanahan himself and run the outside zone system because that dude has some juice. He's mm-hmm. got great patience, and he's really good in tight quarters, man. His change of direction in tight spaces is really, really good. He's He would be perfect for an outside zone heavy system. I really like that kid a lot, man. I think, he, I think he's going to be the... I, I said it on Twitter yesterday, even before the event. He's the day three back that I want. Every year, there's a day three back that you want that ends up, you know, exceeding expectations. That's Rasheen Ali this year, in my opinion. I mean, the my immediate thought was this is probably going to be this year's Tajay Spears that is going to just really start to build momentum except, and get. Except he's actually good, unlike Tajay Spears. Shut up! Yeah. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Uh, defensive backs and linebackers. I've got two DBs. Cam Hart from Notre Dame had a yep. couple of nice, like really sticky coverage reps. Not yep. like a crazy flexible guy, but no. uh, I, I think he's going to be really nice zone corner. And then, I mean, we know yep. Quinion Mitchell's as strong and freakish as he is. He had some really uh, serious lockdown reps during practice today. I didn't want to bring Quinion Mitchell up, Joe, because we've talked about him so much at this point. But every time you get a guy that you have personally, I know that I know that it's out there now. There's been a few people that have mocked him in the first round, so it's not like we're trendy at this point, right? But we have been on the Quinion Mitchell bandwagon since before the season started. At least I have, yeah. and I know that you liked him as well when you watched him. But regardless. He came in with some hype despite being a Toledo corner, uh, not being a big-level guy, being a G5 corner. Despite those expectations, he was the best corner in attendance by far. I don't even think it was close, man. Like His ability to play from off-man and zone is just so special. The change of direction he has, the ball skills, the competitiveness, that kid's a lock first-round pick, like lock. Put it in pen. I don't know to what team, but first-round player, Quinion Mitchell, Absolutely. I like the Cam Hart mention as well. Cam is, he is at six foot two and seven eighths, 204 pounds with 32 and a half inch arms, slightly more than 32 and a half inch arms. He is going to run really well. He's going to run four, four high. Like he's going to run like four, four, seven at that size. And you're, he's going to be a height, weight, speed freak. Like he's going to be one of those mm. dudes. And you saw it though. He bullied Tez Walker on the interception he had early in practice today. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Bullied him. But then Joe, the one, his worst rep of the day was when he had to turn vertically a little bit of a speed turn. And it's just a little bit clunky because he's so high legged and the, uh, the wide receiver from UCF that's names escaped me for some reason, Javon Baker, uh, Baker former Javon Alabama Baker. kid. He, he left him in the dust a little bit and was able to uncover vertically down the field for a touchdown. He is a heavy, Cover three, 
cover two corner that needs to play a little bit off and let his zone instincts come and be able to work down the field with zone turning discipline. Like that's what he needs to do. He is not a man to man exclusive corner. He can do some off man stuff, but the minute that a guy is able to stack him and get on top of him, he's going to be in a little bit of trouble working vertically at time because he doesn't really play the ball well in the air all the time. He can run and when he has clean transitions, he can turn and run with just about anybody, but he doesn't really locate the ball down the field a ton. But you saw the best of Cam Hart when he's physical and he's able to be yeah. just really just in your pocket on the stem. That kid is a special player in that type of role. He gives me James Bradbury vibes a little bit. I could see that. I, that's actually that's a good comp. That's yeah. actually not bad. I, I need to look vibes. up what James Bradbury, uh, what his combine measurables were, but that is a lot of what James Bradbury is really good at and what he's not good at. So yeah. I, that, that's actually a pretty good comp, Joe. Good job, man. It's not bad. Wow, I finally got a good job for a comp. There you go. I had one linebacker. None of the safeties really were super exciting. I had one linebacker, and that'll kind of let you add anyone else that maybe I might have missed in this DB linebacker grouping we have here. Nathaniel yep. Watson from Mississippi State, dude. I I, I don't know what it dude. was. Bumper, dude. Yeah. I, I, I I'm one of those guys. It's like, sir, I was unfamiliar with your game, man. I watched him <laughs> during the team period, and yeah. Look, I, I don't know. I actually haven't watched him enough to like really know. Can he cover? Can he be on the field all three downs? I have no idea. No. But I, I mean, he looked like a Mike backer who was yeah. flowing to the football and reacting and just flying downhill. There were three plays that I watched where he just like before the ball was in a running back's hand, read it cleanly, mm-hmm. tracked downfield. There was one where he made a, a play on like an outside run. There was one where he shot a gap in the A gap and came down and made a play at the line of scrimmage, took on a block. Yeah. Made a play on the ball carrier. I man, Watson's fun, fun, strong. You said thumper, physical kid. Um, yep. I don't know where he ends up going, but there's not a lot of linebackers in this class. So maybe a guy like that sneaks his way early day three because there's just not much to pull from. He he. So Mississippi State was pretty hilarious, man. They actually had two really good inside linebackers. Nathaniel Watson's the better pro prospect. They also had this guy named Jet Johnson, I believe, was the other one who was like this other, like just like white thumping inside linebacker as well. So they had like two of those guys inside. It was just absolutely hilarious to watch. He he's a little bit limited as far as his ability to play in space. But like, yeah, man, if he if Makes he stuck sense. as a if he stuck as a backup inside linebacker at the next level, I wouldn't be shocked about it. I wouldn't be shocked at all. He he's a He's he's a tough physical downhill player. Similarly, and we had a few of those guys in this game. Like I, I actually thought JD Bertrand from Notre Dame had a pretty solid day overall. I mean, like he's not flashy, so I, but like I, I, the same yeah. thing came in my head with Bertrand. Yeah. I was like, man, Bertrand th- did the same thing as Watson. Like, man, he flew downhill and he flowed to the football so well. And then I was, I have known JD Bertrand way more than I've known Nathaniel yes. Watson being a Notre Dame fan. And I'm like, hold on a second. Yes. Calm yourself. <laughs> it's this guy is coverage. in a team yeah. period in, in, a, in an all-star game. He is going to burn you. Don't buy into this. Like it's just, oh, you know, it's just practice. Uh, did you see, did yeah. you see when Marshawn Lloyd got him at the end of practice in the one-on-one? I was like, yes. Yeah, well, that was baby. the come to Jesus moment. Like, okay, all right. Well, he just got completely crossed up and there was literally no chance of anything there. Well, if I had to add a linebacker though, and speaking of Notre Dame linebackers, Maris Loyfell, I think, is a pretty impressive athlete, man. I, I didn't mean, really we, catch him today at all. He never he didn't he really stand out to me. He was more in team period. So it was funny enough. They had JD and Maris as the two inside linebackers a ton in team periods. So Joe yesterday he measured in at 6'2 even, 239 pounds. Despite that, he had 34 inch arms, man. 
34 inch arms as an inside linebacker and a 79 inch wingspan. Like he's literally longer than a few defensive ends that are on that. He might I, actually, I think his wingspan's longer than Liatu Latu. Like to put that into to reference, like that's yeah, pretty that insane. Surprise me. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But as an inside linebacker, that's a pretty rare thing. And if you watch him at Notre Dame, I put this on Twitter today, and it's so true. The best of JD Bur- of um, so, excuse me, of Maris Loyfow is like a top fifty player. Like he makes some plays sometimes where you're just like, holy shit, man! Like that kid can move and he's long. But then he does some other stuff where you're just like, he's in the wrong gap. He didn't read well. Like that's a UDFA. Like you just, he's such a volatile player. Today though. I thought he was pretty confident in team drills, man. You mm. should go back and watch him a little bit. He's wearing number 18 this week. Like he was getting downhill. There was one play where he was on the front side and be able to scrape over top and make a nice play. He made a couple of nice plays in pursuit as well. I think that Maris Loyfowl is actually going to be a pretty big winner this week because this is the type of event that is perfect for him. He is a positionless linebacker in the sense of he is just going to be used as a situational man coverage against slots, at, uh, some bigger slots at times blitzing off the edge. He doesn't really have a home as far as a Mike or will. He's a second level defender that has versatility to him. And I think that his athleticism is going to continue to pop this week. Any other final guys before I close down here? That is pretty Like you said, man, I was kind of looking through some of my notes and no, I didn't really have any safety written down. I, I thought Javon Bullard mm-hmm. had a few nice reps. He's a nickel, yeah. obviously, out of Georgia. I thought he had some nice man-to-man reps, especially in like the one-on-ones. Nothing flashy about Javon Bullard, man. He's just going to be a good starting nickel in the NFL for a long time, in my opinion. But otherwise, not a, not a ton of great inside corner safety notes from today. Not a ton. I, I feel like uh, Bullard might be this year's Brian Branch. Kind of gives me those awesome. kind of vibes where he's just like clean, yeah. clean coverage player. Uh, not super big, so maybe he kind of gets you know discounted a little bit, but yeah, uh, was definitely fun to watch. Next two shows probably won't be as long as this one. <laughs> but folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back for the next two days of the Senior Bowl recapping practices, breaking down the top performers and more. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.